Hi, welcome to how to survive and thrive during stressful times using high performance science. Welcome everyone. What does it take to be healthy, happy, and high-performing during stressful times? In order to answer this question, we're going to have to defeat three dragons behind these three secret doors today. And this will lead us to the treasure that will answer this question. Before we meet these dragons, we can get ourselves ready to defeat them with an activity. So everyone, I'd like to ask you, please close your eyes. Are they closed? I'm gonna give you a minute. Perfect, perfect. Okay, I'd like you to think of a happy memory. And once you have that happy memory in mind, go ahead and focus on it. Feel the experience. Replay that happy memory in your mind. Beautiful. Now, open your eyes. If you all were to take a math test right now, you would perform better compared to a group of people in the other room who had not thought of a happy memory beforehand. If you were a doctor, you would diagnose patients 19% faster after priming yourself with a positive mood. Finally, if you were in sales and you channeled this positive memory towards optimism, as an optimistic salesperson, you would outsell your pessimistic coworkers by 56%. These aren't just fun facts, but serious science with research cited by one of Harvard's leading happiness researchers, Sean Acor, in his book, The Happiness Advantage. This is because, surprise, happiness is not just a feel-good fluff emotion. Well, what is it then? We're gonna answer that question in just a moment. And I'd like to further introduce myself, tell you a story, and let you know where I'm coming from. So for me, I am someone who is fascinated by the science of high performance, and more specifically, the science of untapped human potential that has been suppressed by stress. For the past eight years, I've worked internationally as a chief happiness officer, keynote speaker, corporate trainer, and I've worked with companies like Deutsche Bank, Germany's energy agency, Universal Music, Air Asia. And this brought me to the TEDx stage where I gave my TEDx talk, stress is a superpower. Now I'm going to boil down all of the best practices into a 45 minute workshop today, highly actionable takeaways that you can use towards the goal of making yourself a stress superstar. In July of 1965, I am going to start a true story now this is very, very true. So first of all, I'm curious. Think about, has anyone ever heard of the island of Tonga? It's this very small island. And in July of 1965, six Tongan boys were feeling a bit bored. 
they decided to ditch the classes at the Catholic boarding school they attended and go on an adventure. They grabbed some bananas, coconuts, secretly borrowed a boat from a local fisherman. The boys had high hopes. They thought that they could reach Fiji, New Zealand, and in all of their excitement of ditching classes and borrowing a boat, they forgot to bring a compass and a map. In the beginning, didn't matter. The journey was beautiful. The sea was sparkling. There was a light breeze that night and it lulled them to sleep. But suddenly they awakened to booming thunder, flashes of lightning, a huge storm had rolled in. They clung to this tiny little boat as the waves thrashed them about. And it was horrible. The boat was badly damaged. Eventually the storm passed and they just drifted. They drifted at sea for what seemed to be an endless eight, de- eight days, no food, no water. They survived by catching a little bit of rainwater and they told each other, okay, we're gonna share this rainwater, just one sip among all of us so that we can equally share our resources. Finally, they spotted this rocky island. This would become their new home. And this rocky island had no source of fresh water. The boys initially struggled. They had to catch pigeons and they had to drink their blood to just have some source of, um, you know, liquid. And then they caught some fish, started to collect coconuts. Eventually it all worked out. And the best thing they could do was set strict rules to manage the dire situation. They said, okay, we are not going to fight. And it was very important that everyone shared equally in community duties. Because of their cooperation and teamwork over time, they built this incredible camp. They had chicken pens. They hollowed out trees to collect rainwater. They planted a lovely garden and built a gymnasium with these handmade weights. They also made sure to keep a fire burning continuously. And every morning, one of the boys would wake up and play songs to make everyone feel good. Even during difficult times, for example, one of the boys broke his leg, they took care of each other. They told the boy, you know what, sit back, you're the king, we're going to support you. And the boy's leg healed perfectly. One day, over a year later, a fishing boat decided to take a detour from its normal route. And the captain saw this island in the distance. He looked in his telescope and all of a sudden he saw these boys waving to him from the island trying to catch his attention. And then they were jumping in the ocean and swimming furiously towards him. All six boys were rescued. And eventually, when they arrived home, they received a hero's parade. This story was recently uncovered by the writer Rutger Bregman after all these years. And he traveled to speak to the captain who told the story with a tear in his eye as he remembered saving the boys. If we look at this story in light of recent science, we understand that this is not a lucky success story about survival. These boys adopted key happiness habits that optimized their brain for logic, creativity, and talent under immense physical and psychological stress. 
we've been able to pinpoint these evidence-based happiness habits because for the past 30 years, the field of positive psychology has emerged. It's a science and they've been collecting data on how positive emotions change the brain. In the past few years, the most popular class taught at Yale and Harvard is based on positive psychology and this field of science is an integral part of the curriculum in every notable psychology department across the nation and world. This isn't just academic theory. The data and findings from positive psychology are so powerful that mental health has become the new buzzword in the corporate world. When companies successfully implement programs that create a lot of happy team members, they find that happy teams create companies with three times the revenue growth. This is all really, really wonderful. But in my experience, the valuable lessons of positive psychology can be turned into typical blanket recommendations of yoga, meditation, mindfulness, which are great, don't get me wrong, we're gonna talk about those tools, but the problem is they're not applied correctly during stressful times, enough at least to be as effective as they should be. So what's required is a much more intense and practical approach. And specifically, you wanna be able to handle the heat of the moment, which is what we're gonna talk about today when baseline stress levels are high, for example, as the result of pandemics. This leads us to meet dragon behind door number one. It's guarding the secret treasure. Remember, be brave, be bold. And we want to find out the answer to our question. So what's behind door number one? It's the dragon of addictive happiness. We might think, well, in the modern world, we have lots of opportunities to be happy. In fact, we have dopamine hits at our fingertips, with dopamine being the common happiness hormone that gets released when we scroll through social media. However, this addictive happiness, even though it's more easy to access, is not the same as what we'll call authentic happiness. Well, what is that? Authentic happiness is an ancient, instinctive, powerful force of nature that is hardwired to activate the prefrontal cortex of the brain. This part of the brain is crucial to complex thinking, clear-minded decisions, and willpower. And what's really important is that in the midst of the fight or flight or stress response that is centralized in the other areas of the brain, like the amygdala, hypothalamus, HPA access, the prefrontal cortex changes the way we're processing that stress and it determines how well we manage it. For example, as you recalled the happy memory at the beginning of our workshop, one of the reasons it would have helped you perform better is because when you intensely focused on it, you weren't just thinking a thought that made you feel good. You were creating a powerful chemical chain reaction in your body, and it started to deliver serotonin, which has a strong relationship with memory and learning, and it sent that serotonin across a bridge. This bridge bridges the emotional and the cognitive parts of the brain. It's known as the anterior cingulate cortex bridge, and it's one of the areas considered to be responsible for attention. 
So right now we're zooming in to see this chemical chain reaction and you can get a taste for how these happiness hormones are priming the brain for better performance. So we're gonna zoom out now and look at some research about bungee jumping. It would be great if you have ever been bungee jumping before, we'd love to hear from you in the chat. You can send us a quick message. Now, what's fascinating about bungee jumping is that it's an example of someone feeling really, really stressed out and then recovering from that stress quickly. When researchers were studying the phenomena, they found that you get this spike in cortisol when you jump, which is a stress hormone. But as you successfully complete the jump, you release beta endorphins and they signal the body to quickly recover from the stress. So the question is, is how can we quickly bounce back from daily stress so that we're not having these lingering levels of stress hormones that can take hours to wash out of the body? And that brings us to our to-dos list. This list is going to help us actively practice authentic happiness. And we're spelling do's a little bit different to correlate with each one of the happiness hormones, dopamine, oxytocin, endorphins, and serotonin. These are much more complex, but very quickly, dopamine generally is considered to be the reward chemical. Endorphins, you've heard of those, related to exercise, oxytocin, the love hormone, and finally, serotonin plays lots of roles. One of the things is it is a mood stabilizer. So I would love to spend a lot more time on how to release these happiness hormones. So quickly take notes because I'd like to cover some important points, but I'm gonna do it pretty quickly. So with dopamine, this is the chemical that gets released when we set goals and achieve them. So we can, use a dopamine hack to get authentic happiness by setting really small goals and then checking them off and achieving them. We can even express gratitude, take a hot shower. Einstein used to do this to get all of his creative thoughts organized and harmonious. Also, when we were listening to the story about the boys who survived under very difficult circumstances, one of the boys was playing his guitar music releases dopamine. Now let's go to the O in our to-dos list. O stands for oxytocin, activated by cultivating meaningful relationships. In the story, the boys said, okay, you know what? We are not going to fight. We are going to have shared responsibilities, whether it's sharing our one little sip of water, whether it's taking part in community duties, we are helping each other no matter what. And they were even able to help a boy who had a medical situation completely recover because of their mindset. E in our to-dos list, standing for endorphins, is of course something that's released with exercise, E for exercise, E for endorphins. But how do we incorporate this? Well, we can, for example, do a power pose made famous by Amy Cuddy, where we take up a lot of space, make ourselves bigger, hold our hands in the shape of a V for two minutes. We can simply smile. Changing our facial expression is also sufficient. It releases the amount of happiness. Sometimes people say as much as 2,000 chocolate bars. 
even correcting our posture, sitting up straight, overcoming our tech neck and our habit to look at our phone. These are all ways to get those endorphins flowing as a result of physical movement. Serotonin, finally, is released when we perform acts of kindness. Acts of kindness is one of the most powerful ways to activate that prefrontal cortex. And also, you can see how the serotonin can be released when the boys shared equally in the taking one sip of water when they didn't have any water. That act of kindness to help each other can stimulate multiple happiness hormones. Also meditation, this is where being mindful comes in. We can release serotonin with mindfulness. All of this is a quick version of how you can have in your pocket what we call the to-dos list. And it comprises positive psychology, which I call the science of happiness. And what we're going to understand very soon is that the science of happiness is the science of high performance, but we're not there yet. We've only started performing better on a math test or in sales or diagnosing something. We need to kick it up a notch. And that leads us to open door number two. And remember, there's going to be a dragon. Get ready. This is the dragon of overreaction. Specifically, this dragon comes from the fact that our survival brain constantly overreacts to stress in the modern world. One of the ways that we're going to overcome this dragon is simplify how we think about our brain. In one way to look at it is that we don't just have one brain, we have three brains. First, the reptilian brain, which is the oldest. Second, the limbic system. And finally, the neocortex, which is all about rational thought. These first two is where the survival is concentrated. And the last is how we are thinking through what we need to do, the decisions we make. And then that prefrontal cortex is a part of the rational part of the brain. So if you know that we have two parts of our brain that are all about survival and they're the oldest, specifically we've been best friends with our survival brain for over 500 million years because it kept us safe from threats like these, you'll start to understand that we have been hardwired to be stress superstars. Our brain has spent 99% of human history optimizing itself to be the ultimate survival stress mechanism. This is to the point where they've done studies that let's say you're working and you put a plant on your desk. Simply by seeing that plant, you have lower stress levels. Or even better, let's say a wall is painted green or blue. These colors lower stress levels. And whether it's the plant or the colors, the theory is, is that these are signals that are equivalent to a lush environment. And it's communicating to your survival brain that there's plenty of food, plenty of water, and you relax a little bit. So after we adapted this hypersensitivity to survival, our brain's wiring completely became oriented around being stressed out. And as the modern world progressed, we didn't have the same threats, but our survival brain stayed the same. How many of you, for example, feel a little nervous when you have to give a speech? Three out of four people, it's estimated, have a fear of public speaking. Now, according to the evolutionary biologists, this fear isn't because you're worried about giving a presentation. 
It's because you're worried about getting kicked out of the tribe who you depend on for safety and social connection. And this is a part of that ancient instinctive hardwiring. And if you do poorly, the thought is that you're gonna get kicked out of the tribe. And so all of these fight or flight hormones get released. Now you can see how this is an overreaction in the modern world because there is no threat. In general, we have categories of threats that our survival brain has come to recognize we can simplify them by saying they're the five Ds, the universal triggers, danger, difficulty, doubt, drama, which is equivalent to distancing ourselves from the tribe and having too many to-dos or being overwhelmed. We have a survival radar that is constantly scanning the environment 24 seven for the five Ds. And it is designed to react first, think later. So timing is very, very important. And a lot of times, even when there's no real threat, just the perception of a threat, danger, difficulty, doubt, drama, the survival brain responds just to be sure because that's what was most beneficial for all those millions of years. And this results in the modern world where we have reality being this sweet little kitty cat when it's put through our survival filter, say we're public speaking, we're perceiving it as a big scary lion and our body is releasing the energy to be able to run away from a big scary lion. And if we don't know how to be the bungee jumper and bounce back from that stress hormone, then we're gonna have those hormones circulating in our body all day, creating a tremendous chemical imbalance that by design turns off the logical brain, according to Dr. Daniel Goleman, the author of Emotional Intelligence. Stress, therefore, is like a primal coffee by flooding our body at a moment's notice with these aggressive, energizing fight or flight hormones. Just like you can burn out from too much coffee, you can burn out from too much stress and overstimulation. Now, the secret that dragon number two is guarding is that when we better harness this stress energy, it's an essential ingredient to the high-performance state of flow identified by the psychologist Mihai Csikszentmihalyi, where there essentially is this sweet spot. We find the perfect balance between stress and it ultimately leading to high performance. And we ultimately should use authentic happiness to bring those stress levels down so we can achieve that stress spot, but that sweet, that sweet spot for stress. But remember that first dragon, which is addictive happiness. And as a result, our underactive ability to be happy. Now think about this. We have an overreactive stress response. We have an underreactive ability to be happy. Where does that leave us, especially during tough times? We have to now meet the final dragon, dragon number three. We're gonna continue this journey and see what we can do. So dragon number three is increased baseline levels of stress. Well, what exactly does that mean? Have you ever gotten a little bit irritable when you were hungry? That is your stress system increasing your blood sugar levels, but as a result, you're feeling a little irritable. And from an evolutionary standpoint, the theory is that you would be more aggressive and that would give you an advantage to get your food. So lack of food, lack of sleep, rushing to go somewhere, even sugar and caffeine, these chemical stimulants are going to increase baseline stress levels. We can go through the list here, 
there can even be unknown infections, like for example, from Toxoplasmosis gondii, which is a commonly carried um, parasite from cats. And these can raise baseline stress levels. But let's go ahead and skip to the bottom and look at how widespread challenges, widespread challenges to society or pandemics also increase baseline levels of stress. And we're not just talking about having a rough day where first we were rushing to work, then we had a project that all of a sudden we had to take on by ourselves and we felt overwhelmed and our baseline levels started to increase. And for example, Dr. Daniel Goleman says that at the end of the day, couples are more likely to fight because they've had all of these baseline stress levels going up and up and up and the stress hormones aren't getting filtered out of the body. So we're not talking about that during a pandemic. We're talking about stress building up for days and days and days. And we see statistics, for example, from the CDC, where anxiety rates tripled, depression rates quadrupled. Here's the secret. Those emotions <clears throat> aren't just negative emotions. They are built up stress that has been unmanaged in disguise. And now if we wanna to get to the treasure that these three dragons are guarding, we wanna find how to intensively and frequently weave our to-dos throughout the day. So the treasure is our triple A formula that we need to apply very, very intensively, more intensively than we would expect during normal times to be able to stay a clear-minded, happy, healthy, high-performing, problem solver, even in the midst of high stress. So the first step in the triple A formula, which is the treasure, is awareness. Step two is anchoring and step three is action. Let's dig into the details. So number one, awareness. Essentially, there are two phases of stress and we can only control one of them. The first phase is the stress stimulus. So this is when some sort of threat comes across our path and our survival brain perceives it as threatening. Now, what we can control is how we respond to that particular threat. Now, we might think that this is obvious to us. However, stress is very, very sneaky. And we have to use our emotions as our guide. In the short term, Feelings like irritation, anger, sadness, fear, frustration, and overwhelm, this is all signals that your body has an imbalance in fight or flight hormones. And in the long term, this is what turns into depression, anxiety, panic attacks, and it leads to lack of willpower, tiredness, procrastination, and even binge drinking and drug use. So when we look at these unbelievable numbers after the pandemic that reflect unmanaged stress, really, it's that we didn't have the right tools to proactively bounce back from that stress instinct. And that's where anchoring comes in. So once we're aware of a negative emotion, we need to anchor ourselves to buy ourselves precious time before the logical brain gets turned off. What is an anchor? Essentially, it's a physical or mental signal that we use to stay grounded until we can go and activate a happiness hormone. One of the simplest ways that you can anchor yourself is by pinching your pointer finger and your thumb together. This is 
very subtle. Let's say you're in a heated negotiation and you do this under the table. All of a sudden you have associated taking a step back with your particular anchor and it's going to buy you just the right amount of time so that you can then go to the next step. This also is something like physically getting up and removing yourself from the situation or getting space from whatever it is that's going on. When you are, for example, angry, ding, 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 this is sneaky stress in disguise. Instead of continuing a conversation, the best thing is, is to go and get space. And this is your anchor. Once you have bought yourself time, you need to take action to release a happiness hormone according to our to-dos list. We have option one, which is to move differently, or option two, which is to think differently to stimulate the dopamine, oxytocin, endorphins, and serotonin cocktail. So let's run over, let's run through a couple of examples so that you can practically see how this works. Imagine you've just started your day, you open your computer and the internet is out. This happened to me the other day. So one thing you can do is start to get irritated and that's instinctive, that's natural. All right, that's your alert that you all of a sudden have an imbalance in stress hormones in your body. So you have a couple of options. Now you can anchor yourself, maybe put your thumb and your pointer finger together and start saying different things that you're grateful for. Maybe you had a rough day the day before, maybe you're in the middle of a pandemic. So in that instance, you don't wanna just start saying things you're grateful for. You wanna get up, change the way you move and start saying things that you're grateful for and be more intense than you ever thought you needed to be to release those happiness hormones. And this is going to start to build what we call happiness muscles. So by first being aware, anchoring, and then taking action, you're, you're allowing yourself to bounce back from those stress hormones and you're filtering that stress out of your body so you can hit that sweet spot or the high performance state of flow. Now let's take it up a notch. And of course, emotions ran high during the pandemic, potentially lots of arguments, lots of anger, understandably so. For example, the other day I was speaking with someone and, and very quickly it had started to spiral. Well, it had actually been a tough couple of days that led to that particular moment of escalation. So what I did in that moment was first became aware that the emotions were spiraling and, and becoming more negative. Second, I decided to get space from the situation. And I said, you know what, this isn't a good time to discuss this, we're going to have to revisit it. And I went and I took a, a step back and, and took some time to myself. And then finally, I came back to the situation after having gone through some of the to do's, whether it was expressing gratitude, I actually booked a coaching call with someone who hadn't been on my calendar. And I said, Hey, I've, I've rearranged some of my schedule, I'd really like to do a kind deed right now. And if you're available, I am here to do this for you. And because I had made such an effort to go and to do that kind deed, because this person had been wanting to get in, it completely changed my processing of that stressful moment. And when I came back to the situation, I felt really, really good because I had had such a good interaction with the client and I was able to get space, anchor myself. And so all of these things might sound extreme, but it's the thing that we weren't doing in the pandemic to lower our baseline stress levels because ultimately there's good stress and bad stress. 
It's also known as predatory stress and prey stress. Predatory stress characterized by fierce pursuit of our goals, perseverance, resilience, and prey stress being characterized by defeat, retreat, and withdrawal. How we turn bad stress to good stress is by reappraising the stress with how we think about it. And this is way easier said than done, which is why we need to use the AAA formula to become aware, anchor ourselves, and take action so that we're releasing those happiness hormones and seeing, oh, wait, is this actually a threat? Or another way to look at a threatening situation is a challenge. Just like when you're in a competition, then your stress hormones are energizing you. And by seeing your stress hormones as an energy source, all of a sudden you've shifted your perception of it. This perception, priming yourself for energy, was addressed in Kelly McGonahill's TED Talk, where she says that when you see stress is bad, it constricts your blood vessels. And one of the leading doctors at Harvard is now refusing to operate on people when they're feeling stressed out because all of their blood vessels are constricted. So you can see how this whole science of happiness, stress, how we look at stress is not only becoming mainstream in the, in the corporate world, it's becoming mainstream in doctor's offices as well. And it's very important to our health to get a better handle on our stress instinct because ultimately stress is a way to knock our system out of homeostasis or that perfect balance. And it does that intentionally because we need to be able to fight or rise to the occasion to survive. But when we overreact and we have these ongoing elevated stress levels, that imbalance of homeostasis lowers our immune system and it's like miracle grow for disease. An estimated 75 to 90% of doctor's visits are said to be from a mismanaged stress instinct or from a mismanaged stress instinct or stress-related issues. You can even think about, well, what's the greatest gift you can give a loved one or someone that you want to help? Is it roses? No, it's actually less stress. Stress is extremely contagious and it can be transmitted even by smell. So if you're able to use your to-dos list to lower your stress levels, you're helping others. And when you do this over and over, you're building these amazing happiness muscles that make this a habit that help you consistently enter the high performance state of flow because you are touching on that sweet spot without going over into the burnout range, essentially turning wellness from turning stress into wellness. This is so important. And we're going to wrap up with this because the odds of you being born are one in 400 trillion, as Mel Robbins says in her TED talk. This means you are a statistical miracle. Everything from your heritage to your interests, to your life experiences, to your childhood, all combine to make you one of a kind. And the fact that you're one of a kind means that you're meant to do something in this world that no one else can. And you're best able to do that when you find that sweet spot so you can enter the high performance state of flow so that you have lower stress levels and ultimately you're tapping in to this hidden happiness. So I hope that with these tools, you feel more empowered and you'll have some sort of framework 
to start to address stress in a completely different way. And I would invite you to take an action step. We have every week a fun and completely free way to practice how to manage your stress instinct. And this is in the framework of public speaking. So every week we practice public speaking and we learn to adopt these tools to overcome these short sprints of stress. So I invite you to join us and to learn what it's like to manage the heat of stress in the moment. And you'll see how it translates to managing stress in your life. And I have my contact information here. So I'm really looking forward to your questions so we can get into any more details that you find interesting. And thank you so much.